السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صراة والسلام دائمين بدوام منك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشر أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا ورب شاهدا ونحن له مسلمون وشر أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق يظهر على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد إبال الله إني موسيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله الحمد لله for all of the blessings of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and he has blessed us to reach this month of Ramadan and to have finished fasting the first 10 days the 10 days about which our Prophet said, The first of them are mercy. And the middle 10 are forgiveness. And the last 10 are itq min al nar, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala releases his servants from the fire in all of its meanings. And the scholars point out, in particular, Mali Ali Qari, the wisdom and why that the first 10 days are rahmah, their mercy. Because were it not to be for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we wouldn't have been created. We wouldn't even had a month of Ramadan to fast. We would not have had the ability to endure the fast or even to be able to fast. So the source of everything is mercy. And so the month must begin with mercy. The month must begin with mercy because it's the foundation for everything that comes after it. And then they point out that when you reach the second 10, after you have fasted about 10 days, the way that a worker might accept some form of down payment to start working, to buy materials, to get themselves going. And then after they've worked a little bit, you might receive another invoice. And it's only when you that make that next payment, well, they start bringing their machinery out. They'll start doing a little bit more of the work. But then the last 10 days, this is the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that as a result of the mercy that He showed to us, the forgiveness that He gave His servants, then releases them from the fire in all of its meanings. The reality of what's going to happen to us in the next world plays out in relation to what it is that we choose to do in this world. So if you find yourself striving for virtue, this is a sign that you are from, going to be from the people of paradise. If you strive to do what is pleasing to Allah Ta'ala, that is an, a sign here in this world that you will end up in the abode of the contentment of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So alhamdulillah, we have now entered into the second 10 days, these days of forgiveness. And were someone to say, you can only do one thing 
just before that you prepare to meet your Lord, knowing that you were going to say that pass away, what would you do? The number one thing that you would do is to repent to Allah Ta'ala and to seek forgiveness. So if any of us are in that type of situation where our death is near, the best thing of all to do is to immediately go into a state of repentance and seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if Allah ta'ala sees his servant testifying that la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah being broken before him, realizing their state that they've fallen short in what he has commanded of them subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he will surely forgive them. Even if someone's sins reach the sky from his bounty subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this very blessed month, our Prophet there is numerous a hadith where in which that he encourages the believers to take this month seriously. One of them indicates some of these characteristics, and we're going to go over this really quickly before we move on to the fast. He said is that my ummah was given in the month of Ramadan five traits. No prophet before me was given them. And we tend to forget all of the blessings that are associated with the blessings of Islam. We tend to forget because we become accustomed to them. al-ilf. The pitfall of blessings is becoming accustomed to them. You just get used to them. And when you get used to them, you lose the perspective of what it actually is that you have. So because this is all we know, we're from the Ummah of the Prophet We don't know what it would have been like to have followed a Prophet who came before us. And all of the doors that have opened up to us as a result of the Prophet of Mercy So at times our Prophet will remind us of these things. So in this hadith that he says, the first trait, and this is something for this year has already passed, is that on the first night of Ramadan, Allah Taala will gaze upon the Ummah. And we talk about a gaze upon Allah, uh, for, uh, the, Allah's gaze upon us. Its reality is that we receive His mercy, we receive His forgiveness, we receive the divine concern. And just as someone that you love here in this dunya, if you really love someone but they won't look at you, they're so mad at you that they just won't have anything to do with you. They won't look at you. How would you feel? Whereas that the gaze is a sign of love, but also it's a sign of concern. The father and the mother that are watching their children are looking very carefully at them to make sure that they're safe, to make to see if they have any needs. And this is how that we understand the gaze in an outward sense that manifests as His mercy and forgiveness and concern. And then our Prophet said وسلم, is that the smell, the scent that is in their mouths as a result of the fast in this particular hadith when they enter into the evening is that's more pleasant in the sight of Allah than the smell of musk. And from here that we can start to understand that this is a reminder for us 
it's not just in our time where people had to work and interact with people. That a lot of people still have to work on Ramadan. You're going to interact with people. And you might not be able to keep a distance. Well, maybe in the time of COVID, you'll be able to keep a little bit of distance. But normally, you can't keep a lot of distance. And people will become embarrassed oftentimes by the smell of their mouth and these types of things. But Allah is reminding us, yes, you should take the means to do what you can, but it's inevitable that you're going to have that a scent that is not pleasant that comes from your mouth. But Allah is reminding us of the reality. You are doing this for His sake. And we need to be very careful about being weak before creation and excessively <clears throat> in an imbalanced fashion worrying about what it is that they think about us. This is a reminder <clears throat> for us to know that this is something pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third trait is that the angels seek the forgiveness <coughs> Excuse me. As we speak about mouth, the mouth gets dry also in Ramadan. The angels seek forgiveness for the believers every day in the morning and the evening. And then the fourth trait is that Allah Ta'ala will command paradise to prepare itself and to ready itself for the believers. Because they are on the verge of having tired themselves out here in this dunya to return to the abode where I'm going to honor them. And then the fifth trait is that just as the first night of Ramadan begins with a special gaze, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives his creation and forgives the believers on the last night completely. And this is why when the, he said this, sallallahu alayhi wa one of the Companions asked, that is this Laylat al-Qadr? Right? Is that such a special night that it's Laylat al-Qadr, that there's comprehensive forgiveness shown to the believers? And he said that, no, this is not Laylat al-Qadr. That's a special night that has a special bounty. But he says, do you not see that if the Ammal, those who've been working, that they've done their work, when they finish their work, do they not deserve to receive their wage for their work? And so, when we speak of these things that our Prophet is speaking of, وسلم, it is there to encourage us to start to reflect on the reality of what it is that we're doing and to be aware. If we receive the forgiveness of Allah, how does that translate in relation to how we feel internally in our hearts? How does that translate in relation to what it is that we do? How does that translate in relation to our ability to worship Allah and have that a desire to do so and the energy to do so? If we receive something of this reality, this is the source of our transformation. This is the source for us to do everything that it is that we should do and need to do as believers. So when we talk about the importance of fasting, one of the things that Imam Ghazali does in the Ahiyalumuddin, he divides the fast into three degrees. And he does this so that we know the fast is not simply about just refraining from eating or drinking or anything else that will break your fast. 
And he calls these three degrees the fast of the common folk, the fast of the elect, and the fast of the elect of the elect. And he actually doesn't go into too much detail explaining the first and the third. As for the first, it is simply following the guidelines of the sacred law and not doing anything that would break your fast according to the sacred law. And so we learn that in the books of fiqh. And alhamdulillah from the bounty of Allah, if you do that, your fast will be accepted and there'll be reward. But he wants to point our attention to something, there, that there is a higher degree. There's something else that we can do to not just fast outwardly, but get the benefit of the fast where it's more transformative, where it's closer to ihsan. So we know that Allah wants ihsan from us in everything. So someone might say, well, what does ihsan mean then when I'm fasting? How does that manifest? What are things that I can do? So he clarified that for us. For those that are not content to just have the lower degree, we should all have high aspiration and slowly want to resemble the righteous and be more and more like them in the way that they do things. So the third degree, and we're going to skip to that and then come back to the second. He said, this is the highest of all. This is the elect of the elect that mercy descends just by speaking about these people, even if we're bereft of its reality, even if that's not where we're at. But just speaking about these people, that there is this category of people, even though they might be few. These are people that fast from low spiritual aspiration. These are people that fast from having worldly thoughts. These are people that fast from falling out of the remembrance of Allah. And they would see their fast as broken in that sense if these things happen, even though legally it's not broken. And of course, you could see, that's a lofty state. But to show that this is rooted in the Qur'an, what does Allah say? Qulillah, say Allah, Then lead them and leave them in their affair. Just leave them to their affairs. And the reality is that they're just playing around. And this indicates this reality, Qulillah, say Allah. And people that are just delving into whatever they're delving into of worldly matters, that's just play. And this is a high rank. But then he goes into more detail when he talks about the Soma al-Khusush, which he says is the Soma of the Salihin. If you want to be from the righteous and you want to move up in degree, he gives us a practical way of doing so. And he says that if you want to move up to the second degree, the fasting of the elect, there are six things that you need to work on. And he said, the first of them is in that you learn to control what it is that you look at and to make sure that you only look at what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he reminds us of the hadith where our Prophet said, Anadra sahmun masmum min siham iblis. Is that a gaze, and here what it means is an unlawful gaze, is a poisoned arrow from the arrows of shaitan. It's like shaitan is waiting for you, and then when someone looks, it's like, Ta! and what a metaphor, because you actually feel that happen. And unfortunately in our society, it's even more difficult. 
billboards, images of all sorts. You can't even that go online and search for our product on Amazon or wherever else you're shopping without being bombarded by images. And so this is why we have to be careful. Guard your eyes at all times, but especially in Ramadan. This is a time where we want to be very careful. And in a weak hadith, is that it's our Prophet is reporter to have said, there are five things that break the fast. And the scholars interpreted this as, meaning that it will take from your reward. But people of scrupulousness actually see it as breaking their fast. But legally it doesn't, but it takes from the reward. Lying, backbiting, tail-bearing, and a false oath, and looking with desire. Looking with desire. And our scholars went even to the extent to say that were someone to look at an inanimate object with desire, if that was conceivable, it would be haram. And who would have thought, and I actually forget the name of what it's called, but there are actually people who are so far from the fitrah that they developed very crude desires in relation to inanimate objects and do different types of abominations and they're attracted to something physical. You hear stories of people marrying their cars. There's someone who fell in love with the Eiffel Tower. And not just in the sense that I love the Eiffel Tower, but causing them to do things that you don't mention in a Jummah khutbah. And so you'd be surprised in our time how people have veered from the fitrah. And alhamdulillah that we grew up in pure homes with pure thoughts. We might not even know these things exist, so it's probably better not to even mention them. Nevertheless, the point here is, guard your eyes, especially in Ramadan. Cut back on your sensory. And the second is, this is the second trait, and it was also indicated in the previously mentioned hadith, guarding our tongue. And that riba is a problem in general, backbiting. But especially in this month, because of that hadith, indicates that it is something that especially that compromises our fast. And if you look at what was mentioned, four of the things, the traits that our Prophet said in this hadith, will break the fast, i.e. take from its reward, all relate to the tongue. Lying. And be very careful. Watch your tongue. Sometimes we fall into lies without realizing. And we get so accustomed to saying certain things, especially at home, especially with our families and with our children. Sometimes you catch yourself like, wait, I actually really didn't know if that was the truth or not. Maybe that actually wasn't true. Maybe that actually didn't happen. Maybe... I should have thought about that before I said it. And we have to be very careful about what we say. And then, riba and namima, which are big ones. Riba is mentioning anything about your brother that he dislikes, or she, your sister, that she dislikes. The criterion is not whether or not you would say that in front of them or not. It's whether or not they would dislike it. And it pertains to them or anything related to them, including their children, including their belongings, including their clothing, including their car, their home, and other things. And it's not okay. And we should especially that raise our children in this way. Don't let your children laugh at another kid's pair of shoes or an outfit that they're wearing or something that relates to another child in the neighborhood. 
we should teach them that this is not okay. And these types of things that cause problems and hurt people's feelings. And the believer's honor is great. This is one of the reasons why riba is so serious. But in relation to the fasting, that it tufs it, it's some. It spoils the reward of the fast. So we have guarding our eyes and we have guarding our tongue. And then the third trait is our ears. So he mentions these three limbs in general and in specific. Is that guarding your eyes, guarding your tongue, and guarding your ears. These are the main channels into our heart. And we don't realize that things that we see have a direct impact on our heart. Things that we hear have a direct impact upon our heart. Things that we say have a direct impact upon our heart. And ultimately, we need to preserve what is here because we want only the highest of meanings to manifest in our hearts. So making sure that we don't listen to things and be very careful about the podcasts that you listen to, the news that you listen to, that the shows that you might be watching and things of this nature, especially in Ramadan. And if you can cut back on that in general, it's good. But especially in this month, try not to watch these things. If you're addicted to some type of drama of some sort, that or some that type of series of some sort, and you just can't stop watching it, not in Ramadan. Not in Ramadan. If it's permissible to even watch, watch it outside of Ramadan, but not in Ramadan. This is a precious time. And just as we know, your car, if you want it to function, you have to do an oil change. That your home, that you have to do a spring cleaning. You have to have upkeep. And you have to fight the entropy of, your, the spiritual entropy of the soul. The natural state of things to move into a state of disarray. You have to do this with your own soul. This is a month of cleansing. If we don't cleanse our hearts now, how are we going to get through the next year? But by cleansing in this month, in all of the meanings of cleansing, most importantly, that refraining from what is displeasing to Allah Ta'ala, protecting our limbs, this helps us for the remaining day days of the year. And then the fourth trait, he says, is guarding all of the other limbs. So for the first four, they relate to that our sight, our tongue, our ears, and then the remaining limbs. And they say there are seven limbs that we have to guard. Your eyes, your ears, your tongue, your arms, your legs, your stomach, and your private region. Those seven, that part, those seven uh, body parts are what we have to preserve. But then he gets into two others. And he says for the fifth one, it's that be very careful about your food intake. Make sure that when you break your fast that you don't eat too much. All of us have now experienced what happens when you eat a little bit too much. How hard is it to stand in those rakahs? Right? When that you eat too much at suhoor time, you're not feeling too good. Sometimes it's even hard to go actually go back to sleep because of what you ate and the problems that it causes you. And so he says that be balanced. And he, the, one of the, the whole wisdoms of the fast is by fasting, it narrows the pathways of shaitan. And if all of a sudden that we just that flood those pathways with too much food intake, then what happens is that it opens up the pathways back at night, even though in general the shaitan 
are chained up during this month. So watching very carefully our food intake. And then the last thing that he says here is something that we ask Allah Ta'ala to bless us to put it into practice. He says, when it comes to the time of iftar, where you're breaking your fast, he said, your heart should be between fear and hope. So as the Adhan is being called, and it's time now to break our fast, we're saying the dua, that, and we are about to put the date into our mouth. Right when we do this, and we are simultaneously between fear and hope. Fear of that is Allah Ta'ala going to accept what I've done today. Hope that Allah Ta'ala will accept what it is that we've done on that day. And then we ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to accept from us. And this is one of the greatest etiquettes of all, for all of the acts of goodness that we do. Ask Allah for qabul. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيُونَ عَنِيمُ وَتُوبَ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ Ask Allah for qabul. Say that dua. And one of the greatest signs that your acts are accepted is that you've asked for your acts to be accepted. And as Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib said, we should be more concerned about our acts being accepted than we are even for the performance of those very acts. Of course, you have to be concerned in order to do them. But you should be concerned that your acts are accepted. If Allah accepts your acts, nothing is deemed to be insignificant or trivial or small. Any act that Allah accepts is something that is great. So if we put these six traits into practice, this is the practical road for you and I to start moving up in degrees in relation to our fasts. And this is not theory. It is something we come to learn, yes. There's a knowledge component, yes. But it's something that you and I have to put into practice and to live. This is a methodology for you and I to live by as we move forward in life, when in general we fast, but especially during the, math, the, the month of Ramadan. If we do this, the quality of our fast will be significantly better, that we will then benefit from our fast in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and open up the doors for us to be inspired to take a path whereby which we resemble the righteous. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spread these meanings in our community and to inspire people to take them seriously. And the more that you and I as individuals take these meanings seriously, the more that the light of this blessed deen is going to reach the people that are around us. This is the secret. This is the way forward for our own success in this world and the next and for everything that it is that we want to do in these lands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed us in. This is the only reason that we should be here, is to be able to worship Allah in a way that is pleasing to Him and share this beauty with the people around us. This is not something that is optional. And in fact, it's one of the only ways that's going to atone for us being here. Take these meanings seriously. And we hope that people will, and that we will have a community of people, not only in this particular area, but throughout this land in which we live, and throughout the other lands in which Muslims are living, whether they're minorities, whether they're a majority, or whether it is a Muslim country, because it's through this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring mercy to other people in the earth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq.
Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadan Ashrafin Anbiya Ibn Musaleen Wa ala alihi al-tayibin al-tahirin Wa sahabati al-akrim wa tabi'inahum bi-ihsani la yawm al-deen Wa alayna ma'amu fihim bi-rahmatika ya arhamar rahmin Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan rasulullah Ma ba'd ya ibadullah Inni musikum wa nafsi iyaya bi taqwa Allah إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن ساداتنا خلفاء الرشيدين أبي بكر وعمر وعثمان وعلي وعلى جميع أهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من أرجاس وعلينا معهم فيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات المؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين ويا راحم المساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجز لنا رحمة من عندك نسعد بها في الدنيا والآخرة we ask our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq in all of our different affairs. Allahumma, we ask you, Ya Allah, to bless us with a powerful urge whereby which that we receive this in our hearts and it motivates us to take the spiritual path seriously. Ya Allah, and to do what is pleasing to you in all of our different affairs. Allahumma, we ask this month be a month of mercy for us and for our families and our communion in the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma, we ask this month to be a means for the alleviation of the calamities of the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma, we ask you to return the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad to Ya Allah in the very best of ways. Ya Allahumma, Rahmeen. Give us tawfiq in all of our different affairs and bless us, Ya Allah, to resemble the righteous inwardly and outwardly and to attach our hearts to that which is pleasing to you in all of our different states. And bless us all, say at the very end of our lives, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, completely actualize its meanings inwardly and outwardly. Awakum Allah, nasrukum Allah, and Allah ya'mar bil adri, wa ihsani wa ita'i dhir qurba, wa yanha'ani fahshai wa al-mukir al-baghi, ya'idhukum la'allakum tadakkurun, udhkuru al-aradhim yadkurkum. واشكرها نعمه يزدكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر